Hey guys, welcome back. BGCKR here. We're back with our weekly P and Q and C and A and T video. This is season six, episode eight. Uh, quick rundown. What is what is P and Q and C and A and T? Oh, you you caught me off guard. All right, uh, podcast questions, comments, answers, and talk. That's talking. Talking. <laughs> you gotta use the right um case. What's the term for that? We add an ing. I should know. I took a linguistics class. It's the verb tense. It's Ver- a gerund. Verb it's... tense. Okay, yeah, because I know. I know okay. that the ing is a uh, suffixational affix. Yeah. Um, but... I, can I tell you something that's really weird though? I mean, just starting at the fact that we're in the same yeah. room, which we're usually not lately, is that it was. I was almost the the whole thing. I was getting ready to count down mm-hmm. so we could time the audio. Right oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Um. It's um, a it's a suffixational affix, and it's also uh. It's not. Oh wow! I had it, and then I lost it when you're talking about timing down. Never mind. There was um, All right. there was a characteristic. Of it. I was trying to I was trying to flex my linguistics knowledge on you, but I guess I guess now okay. I just look the fool. So that's <laughs> uh, a strange flex, but okay. Oh, it's um, <laughs> it's inflectional. It's not derivational. Okay, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's just get into the okay injustice. I know about. Let's talk injustice. Okay, so uh, we answer questions here every week. Uh, we also talk about a lot of things that aren't questions. That's what the the T, that's where the T comes in. And uh, our first question this week comes from G 28 and they say, At BDCKR, what, in your opinion, would you recommend? Eliting all your metal characters evenly? Or, for instance, both my Batman, Ninja Joker, and Batman are 1060, and working on Nightwing to get him up to par with his teammates. It's going to take a while to get Nightwing to be of any effect, as I'm just going to get him to Elite 2, because I got one copy and need one more. Joker at Elite 1 and Ares Elite 0, level 50. It just has me thinking on how to elite these characters. The Batman Ninja Trio is a force all in itself, but I want to get your opinion on how you all would go about it. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's interesting, because what you what it sounds like you've got is uh, a totally maxed out Batman Ninja Joker, who's mm-hmm. great, because he's got a, a great defensive passive, where when he's outnumbered, your problem is, on that team, he's the strongest one. So... Well, actually, that's not a problem. There's a good chance you're going to be outnumbered because... All right, so here's the thing. Maybe I should just start off with my assumptions. To me, Metal Nightwing's best feature... I was going to say Metal Robin. His best feature is his passive. Because you've been watching Titans, so that's, that's why you would have said Robin. I was, I was watching Titans, and it's... uh, it, You know, it has some... All right, so I, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, I've been told it's bad. And I feel like part of it was because when you, I... You know what we should do? Let's answer the question first, and then let's talk okay. about Titans right after that, actually. All right, okay, okay. Um, so, he's his passive is the best thing about him, where he steals all that power. Mm-hmm. And everybody on his team steals power. And you can see how great a passive is. That's really... He's giving the entire team uh, Regime Raven's passive, or Rebirth Raven's passive. I can't remember. Re- rebirth. It's Rebirth. Yeah. For nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What what actually makes it even better is by having weaker teammates, he's very likely going to be outnumbered, and he'll take even less damage. Yeah. So he's one of those few guys where having an unbalanced team doesn't hurt him as long as he's the strongest guy on the team. You don't yeah. want him to be the weakest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I think because Metal Nightwing's so weak, I'd probably want to uh, elite up the Batman Ninja Lord Joker and bring him up as high as you can, because he's going to be dead. Uh, it's basically a second dead slot. Mm-hmm. And if you just leave it like that, then you're sort of gambling a little bit. Chances are you're not going to run into trouble with Batman Ninja, Batman. Uh, it's, it's just, I have to figure out how many Batmans and how many ninjas there are in his name. Yeah. Um, to, <laughs> to, 
to uh, lose when he's outnumbered. Batman Ninja, the the Ninja Bat Batman. Yeah, yeah the, the problem really is when you've got a team that's only one guy, yeah. you lose all the benefit of being able to tag out, whether that's to rinse uh, damage over time or whether it's to trigger, let's say you've got Tantu Totem on him, right? Mm -hmm. So it's better probably to have at least a second guy who can uh, hold his own on the team. And especially since if you want to take advantage of Nightwing's passive, you need to be able to tag in and out. Mm -hmm. And so it, if you're not going to take advantage of that and expect to end up being one-on-three fight right at the beginning, yeah. you might as well just stick in a couple bronze characters, right? Um, Ares is hard. Sorry, before we get too far away, I had a joke, and there's not a good place to make it, and it's not a very funny joke, so uh, taking this time out of you talking, but uh, Batman Ninja Batman is kind of like the Los Angeles Angels, I imagine, if you're bilingual, you oh. it's just like... <laughs> it's like, you're, it's like Arrow Green Arrow. It's just stacks on stacks on stacks. Yeah, yeah pizza yeah. pie. Yeah, sorry, I just, I, I wanted an aside, and it wasn't worth it, but um, it was going to bug me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those. I love those asides. Okay. All right, so I think that's the question. I think uh, with Ares, you have no control. He's mm -hmm. a uh, he's a multiplayer exclusive. Get him when you can. I think he's really worth it. He makes a great splash damage. Maybe we should link to that one uh, team that we did most recently where yeah. he does a massive amount of damage, and because even if it whiffs... It's great because the second part of this passive means that the other team can't block for a while. Yeah. And that means he's vulnerable to Batgirl, who's a, nor uh, a good second person to have on your Ares Splash team. Mm. Um, but, all right, so to, getting back to Titans. It's funny because you, you put this question. Okay. We talked just before the video started. You're like, I'm going to put a question first so that we can actually talk about injustice. And we almost half answered the question and they got totally <laughs> sidetracked. Okay, but so to me, Titans is sort of injustice. Right there, we it's got Nightwing. adjacent, yeah. And we've got Raven. Um, and they're both in the Titans and show. You don't have Cyborg, right? Uh, Cyborg is in not Titans. In, in Titans. He should be. He was in Justice League even, and he's not in Titans. Maybe he shows up. Perhaps it was too much budget. <laughs> well, listen, what was cool... All right, so here's the thing. I spent uh, a lot of time not having access to comics, really loving the idea of comics. So yeah. when I'd read comics at the library, they would have Amethyst, mm. and they would have Warlord. And so I grew up... Those were... You know, those kind of favorites, not because you choose them, but because they are they happen to be there. They're thrust upon you. They are thrust upon They're you. They're favorites because of nostalgia, not necessarily equality. Exactly. And the um, the other thing I could read was Titans, because at the ch a supermarket checkout, the same way they have, you see Archie's like Archie, Double Digest, Digest yeah. they used to have Titans Digest, and they would reprint a bunch of Titans comic books, and they were the old classic ones uh, drawn by jo uh, George Perez, mm. and written by Marv Wolfman. So... I, f I feel like I'm, I enjoyed it probably more than I should. I, I recognize that there are some problems in the Titans, and they maybe they go all grimdark, like, you know, the whole late 80s kind of lesson where people took the wrong lesson from the success of Watchmen and Dark mm -hmm. Knight. Was, it wasn't that they were um, sort of... Gritty. Know, gritty, yeah. That it wasn't was, the point. It was that they were written by a couple of really good uh, writers. So Frank Miller and Alan Moore, the great Alan Moore. Yeah, they took kind of like the surface level characteristics and not actually the part that made it worth having them gritty. Right. They, they kind of took out the, the reimagining part and just added in the, the gore and the uh, I'm kind of dark and I kill people sometimes right. part. See, see, this is... And I love the fact that in Titan... There's certain things they did great. Like the fact that they put Doom Patrol in. Yeah. I think that was hilarious mm -hmm. I, I i still have the first grant morrison issue of uh when he first started doing doom patrol yeah 
and it was uh you know so so maybe it is like you're saying maybe it's the nostalgia yeah because i've heard i've heard not great things about it from a couple people yeah, listen, Nightwing is a little too angsty. Um, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're definitely flaws, but the fact that they suck in Doom Patrol and they put in Hawk and Dove and all these kind of ancillary characters that haven't had their own series yet but before they've even decided to, that the really Titans team is a thing. I kind of yeah. like that, that it's sort of in the DC universe and they're introducing some interesting characters. Funny story about Hawk and Dove. I believe that was where Rob Liefeld first made his name, and he's really got a reputation now for drawing anatomically incorrect. But at the time, in, instead of just exaggerating stuff, he there was a really dynamic quality to his art. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't polished, but you'd see that in a lot of new artists, where you'd think, okay, so that looks kind of good, and you could see the trajectory where he might be headed. The same way Jim Lee. When uh, Jim Lee started uh, as an artist, and I think I first noticed him in the Punisher War Journal. Mm. And he ended up being like a really big, when he started doing X-Men, he hit it really big. It's like that. But, you know, clearly he went in a whole different direction <laughs> instead of better. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the word you're looking for is worse. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> in, in the completely opposite direction from better. So there we go. Uh, our next question or comment comes from Jared Lopez. And they say, I was listening to your last podcast where BDC Care Gaming Senior mentioned he was pro-choice. I would assume BDC Care Gaming Junior is also pro-choice. I would like to ask you guys, when do you believe life begins? People who are pro-life maintain that life begins at conception. If this is true, would you still be pro-choice? And also, do you guys have names slash nicknames that we can call you by? Well, if you're referring to one of us specifically, uh, sorry, I'm transitioned right into the question. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the question, Jared. Um, if you're referring to us specifically and individually, uh, you can refer to me as Abbott. And uh, you as Costello. I'm Costello. And that was uh, coined by iProfit. And it was it caught on because we didn't have anything before then. And he pretty consistently wanted to refer to one or the other of us. And I think this was at a point where nobody really cared. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was just true. sort of we were we were one entity. So uh, we I, are BDCKR. We are just. Yeah. So I mean, we could be we, you could be BDCKR and I could be gaming. And that could be the conceit. That would be a weird flip because I play a lot more games than you do. I know that would be as an a ironic kind of rule. name. But <laughs> you play more Injustice. I play more just games in general. That's true. Um, but so I think one thing that I want, because you, you have some stuff here and you have some stuff to say. And yeah, I think but some I think informed stuff to say. But I, real quick. The first part is, are, so are you pro-choice? Oh, totally pro-choice. Yeah, and for sure. Did, all right, so how much of it was influenced by what I've told you and how much of it was something that you came to on your own? I think I started from your belief system i think that's how a lot of you know kids end up doing it right and um you know i know a lot of people that i think have more positive belief systems despite their parents right. and um you know i think i'm one of the people that has a more positive belief system because of their parents but i think at the end of the day i i it's been important enough to me that i have looked into it and kind of formed my own opinions and i've just found that you guys have set me up pretty well to have oh, what cool. i believe the right, right opinions are to be and you know obviously well, not i don't know the right opinions are just something that that, that you are comfortable with that yes. suits your value system yeah that's true and i think i think one of the things that i want to address here is the thing because this is the conversation that we're having. It's when do you believe life begins? And I think the problem is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we believe, right? There is there is right. a kind of truth. And the problem with the term 
life, and I know you get into this later, so I don't really want to steal right. your thunder, but the problem with the term life is that it's broad enough that it allows us to kind of ascribe our own belief systems onto it. And I think that means that there's kind of fundamentally a sort of issue with our definition that we've defined for having this argument. Because right. it lets you just say, oh, well, I believe this, and somebody else say, oh, well, I believe that, and you don't really get to reach a conclusion. Especially when you're using a definition that's relatively ambiguous. Yeah. And that people end up talking past each other instead of actually discussing the same point. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not, when you're arguing, you're not really arguing uh, that one person is right and the other is wrong. Cause that's not usually even the argument that's happening, even though it should be, right? It should be an argument over what's correct. But really, it, you're working with different definitions and nobody establishes them great. And some people are straight up wrong, but some people are kind of right in their own way so, and then you can have different discussions th I, this is our, actually the perfect thing um example of this because i in my my idea of an argument is more is actually away from the conflict is that i just want to be able to explain what i believe clearly enough yeah. and if i convince you yeah that's all right i don't mm -hmm. really need to convince you i just need to be comfortable enough with my own idea that i know what i mean and what i'm saying and to me, this has higher stakes than that. I'm okay with that normally. I think having an argument as a way of cementing your ideas and then having them challenged subsequently mm -hmm. is great. But I think the problem is that this has real-world ramifications. And I think the problem with even us having this discussion, as well as a lot of other people, is... Uh, especially the people who are arguing against it, is that at the end of the day, we don't have skin in the game. This is a fun little philosophical question for us of, oh, where does life begin? Yeah. But the people that this ends up actually mattering to... Uh, aren't us, and they don't have the luxury of yeah. being right. able to sit here and kind of talk about it like it's, you know, yeah, no, you know, what? abstract. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. I d didn't mean to be so flip about it. Yeah, it's that. Um, in oh no, cases, I, I wasn't like calling yeah. you out. Yeah, no, no, but in the cases where um, people are using a particular point of view to infringe upon other people, then yeah, yeah. I totally get where yeah. it becomes. It has to become a conflict. Yeah. So maybe if I get to the actual question from Jared Lopez, and thank mm -hmm. you actually for asking this. I, I think it's probably the wrong question. And you know how some people, there's that cliche, so yeah. there, there's no such thing as a bad question. Mm -hmm. I think when you set it up a certain way, then you've you've anchored it and framed it in a way that makes it less clear. Mm -hmm. Because first question is, what's life? Because you can make the argument that sperm is alive, yeah. the egg is alive at a cellular level. That's so true. Before any kind of conception, um, there's still something living there. Yeah. So there's also after conception, there's a fetus. And after birth, there's a baby. Every single one of those is life. Yeah, and the, the problem with the term life, I mean, it's this is obviously not what some people mean. This is a little bit pedantic to bring it down to the level. But, I mean, if, if you're just talking about life and ending it, uh, there's, you know, you talk about, like, microscopic life, you talk about, like, anybody who eats meat, right? The problem is we're using a really big term, and we're kind of working off the premise of the second that you say, uh, not life, but human life, right. it totally changes what it means. So we're working under the assumption, because, uh, you know, it, it, it it's all alive, right? Like yeah, you but just we, pri we prioritize human life over other life. Like, exactly like you said, right? We prioritize it over our food, over pests, over infections, yeah. parasites, So you, you could argue that life exists even before the moment of conception in the prerequisite components, but what, that's not the question. The question is, when does human life begin? And I think the, the, the argument that I've always uh, appreciated the best is is viability, right? Yeah. And there's actual numbers on that. So 21 weeks and less, the viability of a fetus. And so we're going to be very specific about the term so we don't get it all mixed up mm -hmm. and get this sort of that whole 
Of, we're not going to say of a baby. Yeah, the emotional kind of arguments that mm-hmm. are made, we're going to try to avoid that. But 21 weeks and less is 0%. So yeah. clearly, to me, that's... Whether there's a human life there or not, yeah. um, the fact that it's not viable outside the mom means that what you're... You, you have to make a decision between a person who's actually there in front of you yeah, or the potential for a person that cannot survive without being incubated yeah uh by this actual human life mm-hmm. um and it gets higher right so at 22 weeks is zero to 10 percent 23 weeks it's supposed to be 10 to 35 i did some research for this podcast actually mm. which is unusual for me um and so the decision becomes all right so is is if we don't make the argument that 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 the fetus has to be born and become a baby before it's human life yeah then at what point does the viability argument push that date back from 40 weeks or whenever like a baby is born yeah to the point where you can say that this uh life which may or may not be human yet Mm -hmm. uh has equal rights to somebody who's already there and i think you can't ignore the fact that when they can survive on their own independent of the woman yeah that you can make the better argument for so i think that it's sort of critical and I don't know that you can actually you can actually know when you're talking about a, a chance right yeah and the the problem is there's so many different ways to attack this argument right mm-hmm. um, and by attack this argument I mean just this debate as a whole not like the specific people making it right um, one of the ways that you can talk about it is, which is, to me always seemed like a decent argument that's only really meant to appeal to the people who already don't think abortion should be allowed or allowed the way that it is, mm-hmm. is that it doesn't present, prevent abortion, it prevents safe abortions, right? The right. people who need it, it's the same uh, thing with the, the war on drugs, which is, you know, another whole kind of separate issue that I don't think we need to talk about here. But you're, you're not preventing people who are highly motivated or people who are in desperate um, situations, you're preventing them from doing it safely. Right. And so the, the problem is that that argument is a really compelling reason for me to say that we should allow uh, abortions uh, just, you know, on a fundamental, like, it, for, for the same reason why people say that we shouldn't, which is that you're just respecting the value of human life and right. and kind of not allowing it is, is jeopardizing the value of human life in a totally different way. And I'm more confident that a pregnant mom, or uh, not a pregnant mom, but a pregnant potential mother, right? Yeah. It, I, I'm, I'm much more confident that I value that person's health and safety than I do uh, that of, like, an early stage of development fetus, for sure. Right. And it, it, this is the thing to keep in mind, right? I mean, not so much in Canada, but in the U.S., for for example, I think the U.S. has one of the highest uh, uh, maternal mortality rates mm. So in, among first-world countries. So carrying on a pregnancy, especially one that's not wanted, um, is not without risk. So what you're doing is if you... Are, are forcing a woman to deliver, not now, but like however many weeks later it'll take before the, yeah. the, the fetus is viable, you are putting her at yeah. physical risk. And it's mm-hmm. not huge for most women, but some cases it's actually pretty significant. Yeah, and I have something a little lighter. This is just an interesting fact. It has nothing to do uh, with with abortion because it doesn't really kind of stand up to any sort of uh, critical thought if you try to use it as an argument for abortion. But here's something interesting. So small mammals uh, run really fast. They yes. have high heart rates and everything. Yes. And the bigger you are, generally the slower you go. Um, yes. The vital signs 
of uh, developing fetus, even after they've developed their organs and heart and everything. Their, their like, heart rate yeah. um, matches the, the mother until they're born. And you can actually see them speed up and kind of become, like, more their own entity than almost acting like an organ as oh. part of the mom when they're, when they're born. That's interesting. I never knew that. Because they, they, they go slow when they're in the mom, and then they, they, their vitals speed up. And I think I heard that on... It was some educational YouTube channel, so it would have been something like SciShow or maybe Kurtz Gazette. You know why that makes sense, though? Because when you're a smaller animal, you're moving a lot smaller yeah. volume of oxygen when you're breathing. Mm. So you actually need to get that blood through the lungs to catch as much of the little bit. But when you're a fetus, you're getting all the oxygenated blood through the placenta... And that's already oxygenated. You're, you're, the breathing actually makes no difference, so you don't actually have to pump any harder because yeah. that blood is well oxygenated without. So it's more just move. practicing. It's building up the kind of muscle. Right, and actually, the practice is probably harder because all that fluid is harder to move than that's air. That's true. But so that that's just something interesting. Obviously, that's not a good abortion thing. Being like, oh, they're more like an organ than a person, because obviously that happens up until the moment of birth, and you wouldn't right. argue, or as far as I'm aware, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. But and you know, obviously, no one would make the argument that a baby moments before being born uh, didn't count. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it's the, what's interesting to me is just thinking about this question made me uh, consider something from a, maybe a different perspective. So if it, let's say this child were born, yeah, um, there's something called informed consent the idea of informed consent where you need to be you don't it's not that you have to be old enough that you just have to be have the intellectual capability to understand what choices you're making yeah. when it comes to say health decisions and what the implications are of picking one thing over another and so when people are incapable of consent especially very young children yeah. or incapacitated adults you get a substitute decision maker so mm. when, uh, so let's say... Oh, that was cool. We just blocked a f full super. I should Oh, nice. I like out. when that happens, right? When you tag in just at the right moment, you've got the Astro Harness. Oh, uh, we should mention, because we just made reference to the video. This uh, also exists as a podcast. Uh, we, we forgot to mention that at the top of the show. Yeah, it was a Flashpoint team, and uh, Aquaman wanted to do a super on us, and we just totally avoided it with, with Astro, Astro Harness. Harness. But yeah, so you can listen to this in podcast format. Uh, links to that in the description. We are now on Apple Podcasts, so for anybody that that matters to... Uh, there you go. <laughs> Actually, and you know what, too? With Tant when you're facing something with Tantu Totem, sometimes it's almost a better strategy to let them build up to three bars of power. So whatever you can do to tr avoid a tag-in, mm. it's better because when they do a th uh, super, they lose all their power. If yeah. they do a special two and you avoid it with Astral Harness, they get their power right back. Mm. So just something to keep in mind. All right, so hold on. Um, oh, substitute decision-makers informed consent. Yeah, so substitute decision-makers. So if, if, let's say the fetus was born and it was a baby, yeah. if the, it had a health problem that mom would be making a decision about their health, whether it's something to, to get treatment yeah. or for palliative care, or if they decided to, you know, like when, when somebody's really sick mm -hmm. and they're being kept alive by machines to decide that they don't want them to suffer anymore. Mm. So in effect, they're for, let's say, really bad um, fetal abnormalities, Yeah, having a termination is very much the equivalent of that if you consider the fetus a capable being which i don't unless they get to the point where they can live independently from the mom and don't require the mom yeah or the woman sorry i i, I said i was gonna be precise and i'm not would require the woman to risk her life in order for that fetus to survive yeah yeah Oh, and sometimes there's the argument about uh, sticking the man in and talking about whether... Oh, yeah, uh, what rights do the, does the yeah. man get? I mean, ultimately, when you talk about substitute decision-making, there's only two people that have a say, right? Like, so mm -hmm. when you've got a, 
a kid, the mom and dad are. So you've got two votes. If there's a disagreement, I think the tie break really should go to the person who's got, like you said, more skin in the game, yeah. where they're actually putting their lives at risk. And it may be at the point where um, the dad could actually take over if the dad decided or the man decided that yeah. I, I, I don't want to terminate. I want this carried to term. And they, they were able to take over. I, I'd be totally with that. And I, I also I also think that the argument can be made that if the issue is that, like, for some reason, the uh, prospective woman to be giving birth is going to terminate the pregnancy and the dude is going to be blindsided and shut out, that that is an indication of a relationship with not a lot of trust. Right. Uh, and that's not a great kind of situation for a kid to be born into, where only one of the parents actually wanted it. Yeah. And, you know, I like you could you could look for, for edge cases where you could find an example of a time where, yeah, it, it probably would be better to, you know, give the dad some sort of option where there's, there's yeah. probably, you know, one, like, specific kind of situation under the sun where I can imagine it being weird or unfair for uh the woman to take that choice away right? right but i think at the end of the day it that, that that's sort of like a bad faith argument because it, it's one of those like weird theoreticals where it's like well what if superman like ripped the roof off the hospital and said no you need yeah. to keep the baby it's like oh, it, speaking of theoretical art so this here's the other thing too i mean i'm not saying that it would change anything because even if there was better support there's better contraception there's better sex education there was better access to um uh, social uh, safety nets for mm-hmm. uh, newborns and their parents or parent mm-hmm. who are having trouble, that wouldn't be enough to take that decision away from the woman. So I don't want to say that at all. But I think it's very telling that the legislation that is attempting that attempts to make abortion more difficult when it's mm-hmm. they, they legislate or they try to legislate that, it's very telling that it isn't tied into any of those things that actually are pro-life yeah where that's the thing where you have to ask if it's a question of belief or rhetoric right and i think there's something really interesting related to that that i saw recently um where there was some discriminatory um housing bill or it wasn't a bill it was something for like a local government they had like some ordinance or something that was going to go through and this uh trans woman came uh to like a city hall meeting and was like hey uh, I know you're quoting the Bible as your reason for talking about it like this. And uh, she quoted a passage from Leviticus talking about like if a man lies with another man um, as he lies with a woman, he should be stoned. And she was like, I brought a rock. Like, tell me that it's not just um, you're, you're not just using rhetoric to hide your uh, crappy beliefs mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, do like like basically man up. And he actually dropped it. So that was just something really cool that I saw recently. Again, it's not super related, but yeah, I think that there's. A, I mean, there's definitely a place for the Bible. I don't want to, because I was raised Catholic. Yeah. Um, but to use that literally as your guide for what you should do now, I think is a mistake. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of stuff that if you take it literally, would be just awful. Mm-hmm. We are getting into the weeds. Yeah. Here, we right? got, so maybe we should we maybe need... back out a little bit. Yeah, because we got lots of questions, and yeah, we got one true. for my prophet. 
or yeah. known as iProfit3 on YouTube. So iProfit3 says, uh, to start off addressing me, Suits pretty much does a new case per episode throughout all their seasons. It's really entertaining. I actually grasped a ton of law knowledge by watching all the seasons. And then, also, I disagree on damage over time. In my opinion, best damage over time is no questions asked, flashpoint deathstroke. Sure, you may need flashpoint bats for the times to crit, but the damage is just insane. You can beat the last page on your story mode with an Elite 5 Flashpoint Deathstroke equipped with Quake Engine. Can't say the, can't say the same with just Injustice 2 Aquaman or Arkham Knight Catwoman. Also, I still believe Flashpoint Team is still the best multiplayer there is. Just my opinion, though. And then we've got a series of questions. Yeah, maybe I should summarize that because we could spend the rest of the video just reading it back and forth. But I think the point was, I actually, I, I really, I, I agree. It This becomes one of those um, semantic questions, right? Because yeah. here's the thing. Flash, and we already went into the comments, but I think it bears maybe a little discussion because most people don't read all the comments, right? Mm -hmm. But Flashpoint Deathstroke. Um, so it's a special two that does the uh, damage over time. Mm -hmm. The thing is, with a Flashpoint team, with both Flashpoint Batman's passive to, to boost crit damage, plus um, Deathstroke's own passive where his teammates, both Flashpoint teammates, are alive. I mean, I know the game, it's supposed to be knocked out. They don't actually die. That would be bad. But I, I just, I'm using that as shorthand for, mm -hmm. you know, the, get rid of them. I always <laughs> feel funny saying die because it feels bad anyways it feels so, final see it, i because i like personally i like to think about it uh using the multi multiverse theory where there's just an infinite number of them it's just like they just keep <laughs> sliding new ones okay. in off the production line right, that, it's like time to open another portal i don't follow the story i don't actually know right all right so hey listen it works for me i mean sometimes we can face the same guy in the other team right so that's cool yeah i don't it, it doesn't make any sense but i i it just it's a funny thought to me right so it's because <laughs> it's like oh yeah we, we lost this okay. one like so to me, the the best kind of special, uh, sorry, the best kind of damage over time is you can do it lots, you can do it fast, and bleed is the ultimate. Mm -hmm. But I can see because Flashpoint Deathstroke, he does a crap ton of damage. Yeah. So the the damage from Flashpoint Deathstroke Special Two is what we were talking about when we we're talking about uh, him as a uh, damage over time guy. Is it that he this is a damage over time guy because he happens to do damage over time, although he's already done like a butt ton of damage already from mm -hmm. the special itself. Or is it that he's a special specialist who happens to do DOT, but he's not really a DOT specialist? Yeah. And to me, so let's say if we're just talking straight, you know, which special specialist would you rather have? Oh, yeah. Flashpoint Deathstroke, n no doubt he's better than Arkham Knight Catwoman or Injustice 2 Aquaman. Yeah. But if we're talking about somebody who's a damage over time specialist, so... You know, and where I use them the most is for tanks like uh, Red Sun Green Lantern on a full Red Sun team, or Batman Ninja Batman with King Gold Soda, or maybe and and uh, Killer Croc Companion. Mm -hmm. In my mind, Injustice 2 Aquaman is the best, uh, even better than uh, Arkham Knight Catwoman, mm -hmm. um, and better than Flashpoint Deathstroke, mm -hmm. and especially when your damage over time guy is Last Man Standing, because what Injustice 2 Aquaman does because of his passive, he's not going to get bled out. Right, he'll just yeah. return the damage over time doubled. Uh, now, Catwoman has the advantage if they tag out, it's not going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like being able to not be vulnerable to damage over time myself, because that's going to when you've uh, made Injustice Two Aquaman as your last man standing as a tank, that offensive potential is way better than either of the other two, mm -hmm. and and it, the bleed out is is way better than the other two because then you can actually finish off the other team. Yeah. So there we go. Do you want me to read the follow-up by iProfit for us to bounce off of, or is that, do you think, what you wanted to say? Um, Give or take. 
I think that's pretty much it. No, no, because okay. I think we ended up agreeing on on it that that. Well, yeah, this wasn't exactly an argument. This wasn't yeah. a big falling out. Well, it was, it, <laughs> or at it, least not on our end. We I hope. mean, this is what we we were talking about earlier. I think when we were saying that sometimes if you if you use the terms imprecisely, you yeah. end up talking past one another, even when you agree on stuff. And I think mm-hmm. ultimately we both agree. Well, all three of us agree that with iProfit's point that Flashpoint Deathstroke is a great special specialist. Yeah, he's the out of those three, he's the best special specialist. But in the subgroup of ones uh, characters that are meant for damage over time and that that sub specialist i think i i think injustice 2 aquaman is still probably the best damage over time for that niche kind of um role yeah so there we go uh next up i think we're gonna do a continuation of the comment from drake pendergan yeah uh so we're starting from the part where he says affirmative action is a method of providing opportunities based on race, gender, or other categories, and thus is a form of discrimination. There is no such thing as reverse racism. There is just racism. If you're black and hate white people because of their race, you're a racist. If you're white and hate blacks because of their skin color, you're a racist. And, you know, I think to that last part, that's uh, a fair point depending on the definition of racism that you're using. Right. All right. So here's the thing. Words. This is why it's so cool that you're taking... I, we did, I don't think we had linguistics courses or if the, the, we did... I was totally unaware of them. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends also taking linguistics in more earnest, I think. Uh, I have a friend taking psycholinguistics, and I also have a friend uh, somewhere else doing speech pathology. So okay. that's linguistics have. Yeah. All right, and I, I so know that it's not just based on the popularity of Arrival, um, you know, because <laughs> I think that that's really where it's... Yeah. Because the fact that they're these, you know, they don't pop up in a year that you've got some a whole, um, you know, a division of the, whatever that... University that we have these the whole area of study yeah. that's dedicated. It's to It's definitely not because of arrival, right? But it's popularized it in a way. I think that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, to me, the simple understanding of racism has has evolved. It's not just well, I am consciously uh, disliking you because of your race. Yeah. Because there's a whole level of of uh, institutionalism, and not institutionalism, institutionalization yeah. of um biases and after generations of problematic um what's the word i'm looking for i can't even think of it but when when you're starting off with uh you know you you've been uh, let me give the example for like first nations people right where there's a, a level of cultural genocide that you can't just say well we're gonna stop being racist to you you just you know go ahead do whatever you need and not be be able to make up for some of the stuff that they've suffered over the years it puts them at a huge disadvantage yeah because the the problem is at the end of the day you can say if i am not a racist today and i believe that everybody else is not a racist today which already is a premise that i would argue is flawed and that there are still uh, a lot of facets of discrimination today that need to be uh dealt with actively but even even if you were to say hey everybody uh, believes everybody else is on a level playing field today. There's still a lot of people um, that are in the situation that they're in because of the really poor treatment of their ancestors, right? right? There's there's people that are the in a position that they're in because of factors totally outside of their control, and they're doing worse than they would be otherwise because of racism, right? There's there's still aftershocks and. 
and there's also and there's also the the, the unconscious kind of stuff, right? The yeah. Stuff that that happens not because you you are, but because people are bad, but yeah. because people have um, ideas that are flawed. Yeah. And they let that influence how they treat other people. Yeah, even if nobody's racist, they the little vestigial hooks that have been left in, you know, right. like institutions that have been historically racist, right? It just practices just and there's there's a, one of the problems with racism is that people argue make arguments for like um talking about so, how socioeconomic status is more important. And the problem is those things are inherently intertwined. Right. And intersectionality they're they're not always they're not in every single context it's not like everybody who is poor is not white right but the there is a much higher chance of being poor because you're not white and because you know your your family well, was not white so here's the thing i mean the best analogy i've heard is the part the way about i think john scalzi put this where you talk about um easy mode right yeah so just because you play a game on an easier mode doesn't mean you automatically get everything but it does mean that you have a bit of advantage you can still suck and you can still lose yeah and somebody else who's got it with you know starts off with fewer resources lower agility lower strength lower uh what are the stats i don't remember um but you know you know what i mean right so there's an intersectionality there so yeah sure money makes a huge difference yeah and money can make up for a lot but i was reading this uh interesting stat that showed or that was saying that um people was it it was it african black people in the states the generation after uh a given socioeconomic uh, achievement that they were much more likely to end up being poor again Mm -hmm. like to not maintain uh, the whatever the level of income yeah. that the, the previous generation had made. And I think this might be going kind of maybe a layer deeper into theory than we even need to go when discussing affirmative action, but I think it's important to kind of note the idea of race as a social construct, um, especially because we have this talk about like white people versus not white people, and it's interesting because the definition of who is historically white was totally subject to change. Oh, yeah. And basically, discriminated groups um, who were previously considered not white and discriminated against because of it were allowed, basically allowed the privilege of becoming uh, white. Right, that's why the cultural thing to me is just ridiculous. When people make the argument that it's, you know, there's such such a thing as white culture. I mean, for the longest time, uh, Irish people mm-hmm. were discriminated against. Italian people were discriminated yeah, against. Yeah, because they weren't white, which is boggles the mind to think about. So it has nothing to do, um, or I shouldn't say nothing because it doesn't have absolutely nothing, but it has very little to do with the pigment of your skin. Right. And uh, here's... Well, it, it, I it guess has some. Th- th- there's certain things that will keep you out no matter what. And I, yeah, I saw a super, super insightful uh, commentary about it. I think it was perhaps Innuendo Studios. If it wasn't, oh, he doesn't okay, so really... Can I comment? Uh, sorry, interrupt. You, uh, you're cracking your knuckles, and I so envy oh, sorry. you. No, 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 no. I love... I wish I could crack my knuckles. I haven't cracked my knuckles in four weeks now because I got the splint on my hand, and I can't move my fingers the way I want. And I'm so jealous of you cracking your knuckles. Now. I did it idly. I didn't realize it would show up in the audio. Um, but I'm I, I did, sorry. I didn't think it would show up in the audio because yeah, I didn't think about it at all. Yeah, but I, I I'm so jealous right now. Oh. But anyways, in, Innuendo Studios made a really really kind of insightful point, and I think it was him. It's possible not, but either way, check him out. Which is that, you know, everybody talks about Obama as the first black president, mm-hmm. and he was mixed, right? Right. And it's not that it's um. 
it would be disingenuous to say it, but nobody would ever call him, you know, another white president, right? He is on a fundamental right. level considered black because he's he's mixed. Right. And the problem is there because being white is something that we kind of ascribe right and it's flexible and it doesn't have to just mean people who have the right skin tone it it is obviously sort of restrictive in that sense where people who are wildly different skin tones wouldn't be considered white right but it's considered kind of a, a lack of other pigmentation well or is it is it that it's the difference between necessary and sufficient it is not sufficient to just have pale skin yeah it is necessary and if you don't have it, it disqualifies you. But if you have it, that may not be enough. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's, I think, a really good way of putting it. But the problem is, is that wh when you think about it, we kind of perceive whiteness as a, a sort of default to be taken away. Because oh, when... Oh, okay. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When, when Obama has mixed parents, no matter what happens, he is never a white guy ever again. Right? That's right. just... It's, it, um, so... so being white is something that you can have if you have a pure white ancestry, right? And that's like a gross way of thinking about it. But when you break down kind of how our beliefs on on kind of race and culture are, that is basically what it is. You have to have a purely white ancestry or close enough that you can't tell. Right. Um, and any kind of disruption from that yeah. takes away your status of being white. Because it's necessary. And if it, you don't have the necessary condition, it disqualifies you. And that's a way that we as a culture generally perceive it. Because, like, I did think of Obama just as sort of, like, a, a black president, right? Right. I didn't... It really wasn't a thought that ever crossed my mind. It's like, oh, yeah, he's mixed, right? I didn't even know that about him. Right. Uh, I think maybe before that, I, I maybe I'd heard it in passing, but it wasn't... It hadn't really properly registered with me. And it's not a big step from that to the kind of really gross, like... Aryan race purity ideals that some people have because we right. as a culture sort of have acknowledged that uh, whiteness is l like a, a question of purity just mm -hmm. as much as anything else because whiteness is like a, a status that can be taken away from you but it um, and it can be it can be granted to a very specific subset of people but at the end of the day it is like perceived as as like a default state and right. it can be it can be taken away uh, by any lack of like racial purity right. basically right it's a very tenuous yeah world. okay uh we, we talked uh maybe we, i don't yeah a lot about <laughs> stuff that ended up being not a lot of affirmative action i think maybe quickly to address the actual point uh at the end of the day we need to do stuff right we can't just like we, yeah you can't say we're gonna stop doing the bad stuff and somehow think that's gonna be enough you need to maybe if you actually want things to be fair You've got to do something to make up for the injustices, injustice that happened uh, before. Yeah, so I, I think you can make the argument that certain types of affirmative action are less effective than they should be. Maybe uh, looking at actual real data and saying, hey, maybe these aren't working the way that we want them to be. But I don't think that I am willing to concede that affirmative action as an idea okay. is discriminatory or bad. So here's the next part. Can I, I want to read this because yeah. uh, this is not ours, what we're saying. This is, again, pulled from Drake, Drake Pendergen. Pendergen. And I want to say, read out this. Uh, 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 affirmative action negatively affects those who are supposed to be helped by it because when people look at people who could receive affirmative action, it causes them to question if the individual got to that position on merit or if they got handed it because of some <laughs> quality that they just had. For example, California has created a law that says that every public company must have a woman on their board. So if a woman is on the board of a company, 
that wasn't there prior to this law being enacted, it will cause people to question if that individual legitimately deserves the position or got it because of a surface trait that she had no control over and if she is even actually qualified to be there, thus making anything she says have less weight than the things that the men on that board are saying. Oh, God. All right, so... Um, <laughs> you are you are angry. I can tell the way that you're reading that, that you're getting well, I wanted, a little frustrated. I, no, no, I wanted to get through it fast because... All right, so here's the thing. That part about people wondering how someone got their position and whether it was merit-based and how people get judged for that, I, in my mind, I think, who cares? I mean... I mean, you could also say that about literally any dude that's ever on anything. This because is it! it! The way that you frame it, um, if unless you truly believe that women are just on average... Uh, worse in that there's okay. no chance that a woman could do the same job as a man because I, I think the problem is that even in positions of extreme power I have a hard time believing that there aren't a ton of people at okay, any given time this equally is, qualified this is my point all right so we should be looking with that same critical eye at everybody if it now if Drake only wants to think like that about the women and people of color yeah that's on Drake but we've had decades centuries of men who are minimally qualified or unqualified for their positions. And, um, I mean, it, maybe I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but in Canada, it looks like, I mean, the fact that Donald Trump is president, Ooh. his son-in-law, um, Jared Kushner, had got that security clearance and mm-hmm. made a huge number of mistakes on it and was really unqualified and should have been disqualified from it. And people who make the argument that being a businessman qualifies you to be a politician, I was reading this in the news maybe a week or two ago, where there's one of the governors, Scott Walker, and in, is it Minneapolis? Or, I don't know, Foxconn, there was a company that yeah. was uh, promised a bunch of stuff, they gave them huge tax breaks, and now they're saying, yeah, you know what, we're not going to do what we promised. And there's really no recourse, and what they've done is just dumped a bunch of money, and the question is whether that was just... Uh, incompetence or whether that was criminal you know like a little bit of kickback and stuff but I mean I think it's about time we started looking critically at these bastions of old white men and think about whether they deserve to be there yeah because I I I think that's the problem is that like at the end of the day I think you point to almost any position in the world and I think it is likely for the vast vast majority that you know there would be hundreds of thousands of people that would be as good or better at the job and so i think it's maybe uh disingenuous to say oh well what if they're the most qualified i think no matter who it is they're probably not the most qualified person for that job but the pro i mean and you can point that finger at anybody and say hey what if one of the people who applied the other people who applied was better and didn't get the job but i think you could point that same finger at Almost anybody. I think there the chance that you, you know, just by luck, get the person who would definitely who is definitely the best Absolutely for that job best. Yeah. is is totally um, questionable for anybody. But I think it belies your kind of personal bias when you're only pointing that finger at the woman. Right. And uh, you know, it's it's easy to say that the legislation makes it easy to, but I think at the end of the day, uh, I, <laughs> I think the legislation empowers people to kind of be forced to look past what we know uh, is is there, which is like unconscious prejudices and actual real prejudices. And you're right, it's not going to always, always work out. But it's one of those things, again, where I feel like it's it's worth trying. Yeah, It's a valuable thing sure. to do, even if it's not going to have a 100% hit rate. Yeah, we're out of fight. Maybe I'm going to have to stick in a little bit, or do you want to finish the... We can add a little bit of... Uh... 
or do you want to drag this on for another one? Because there's a couple of things I just I do want to say, mm. and I know it's not entirely injustice, and I feel bad about making people listen to this and and watch <laughs> a TED screen, because um, there's a college thing. Yeah. Um, should. Yeah, do you want me to? Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah finish please, it off. please, please. Okay, studies have shown that by removing affirmative action from colleges, this is Drake Pendergen, yeah. uh, again, in the USA, that the largest group affected is Asians, who are currently disproportionately left out of opportunities because they are required 140 more points on their SAT than white students, 270 points higher than Hispanic students, and 450 points higher than black students. The idea of blind hiring is optimal because of the fact that it doesn't allow discrimination on any standard. Diversity does have value, I agree with that. However, I feel that getting the best is worth more than that, even. Okay, so maybe I'm going to skip past this a little bit to get the part I really want to talk about with the idea of free college tuition. But the the whole affirmative action hurting Asian people uh, admissions to schools is so much more complex. It plays hugely into the model minority defense of racism. Yeah. And I guess we could get into that a little bit. But what it does is it, it totally elides past the fact that the history of different... Uh, people coming to North America yeah. is, you know, as much as Asians face racism with in Canada, the head tax yeah. and building the railroad under really disgusting conditions, yeah. they weren't brought over as slaves. Mm-hmm. They weren't, um, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, you know what? You, and you, you want to I, say something? I, yeah, I think this is maybe getting into the muck a little bit, but I think you could argue that with the current... Um, kind of social pressure especially from parents that um performing really well in school is something that is expected of a lot of uh asian people and so in if you're if we're talking about how performance is not necessarily a great indicator of motivation or likelihood of success uh you could you could actually make the argument that there's a lot of external motivators for academic success in certain asian communities too Mm -hmm. and so in in the same way um, it, it sucks that anybody's putting all that work in and being negatively affected. But, you know, th- this is kind of the f- the way that things are balancing out where there's different kind of subcultures being, uh, whose marks are being valued differently. Uh, it, and it shouldn't be that the marks are valued differently. This is the same thing that I said, I think, last podcast, was that it is, there's certain things that haven't been valued properly. Yeah. And when you start doing that, maybe just having higher marks isn't enough. You reach a threshold that beyond a certain point, yeah. you don't need them to count. Like they can't. You can't have somebody who's got such great marks that it negates every other thing that they've mm-hmm. done. Yeah, so it's it's just, it's a really big, hard question, I think. Right. So maybe the last bit that I wanted to pull from this was, uh, Drake Pendragon was saying, I disagree with free, and there's quotes around free, college because I don't want to be paying additional taxes to send a random individual to college. If I want to send someone else to college, it will be my niece. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing. This is another good example of anchoring because if you start out with the assumption that something should cost money, then you need to justify why it shouldn't or why you should be paying for yeah. it for somebody or not for somebody, right? Yeah. And I think what we're seeing this is in the fight for universal health care in the U.S., mm-hmm. And, and that's probably more accurate to call it universal uh, secondary school education as opposed to free because, listen, we know it's not free. Yeah. I mean, that's the shorthand for that person that, that who's right there is not paying for it out of pocket, yeah. but it's paid for. It's not that their university professors are working for nothing. 
and I mean, education kind of, education provides value at the end of the day. Having an educated workforce and having people in a position, you can talk about just how it affects GDP, where uh, investing your money smartly Gross domestic product. Yeah. Where investing your money smartly in people gives you better returns than you put in just from taxes the way that they already are. Um, Or you could talk about the fact that there are a lot of big kind of issues and frontiers for expansion of human knowledge. And the more people that you have uh, who have an opportunity to realize their full potential, the more likely you are, the larger pool you're drawing from, to find the sort of great minds of a generation right. that are going to be able to do really incredible things. Right. And uh, I, I, I am a believer that people who aren't given the opportunity to, uh, who might otherwise be able to be sort of a just incredible person to make huge swaths of change, just, they, they, they just won't if they're not put in a position where See, they have that opportunity this is the ultimate to me pro-life argument where you are taking a life and you're you want to make the most of it yeah we didn't used to i mean as as a society we did not used to pay for high school high school used to cost money Mm -hmm. uh grade school used to cost money and it's the same progression right in 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 this world that we live in now where corporations have the freedom the flexibility move jobs out of country it is like you said it is a universal good to make education skills acquisition as easily available as possible. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to have an underclass filled with people who can't afford an education or forced to take jobs below the poverty level because that's how you build resentment and you, I love this word, foment. You foment a revolution. What Um, does that mean? That means sort of build it. Because to to me, all right, so I I don't know the actual definition, but in my mind, I was connected to, I know it's not ferment, but it felt, because you're building it up and fermentation is that process. Now, how do you spell it? F-O-M-E-N-T foment okay um that's our that's our word of the week that's our word of the week so i have to look up what it actually means but i know i think i'm using it in the right i shouldn't say i know i think i'm using the right context yeah um so it's almost like the the current use of government is trying to dismantle the public school system with you know the what's her name devos who's uh pushing for uh, education vouchers and stuff and taking money out of the public school system i mean people used to make a living even if they were illiterate yeah and as the world changed and opportunities changed and jobs changed um government started finding more and more education so that the people who could no longer you know work on a farm yeah. or work as a blacksmith and not need to know how to read they needed to make sure their population mm-hmm. could keep up with the opportunities that were available and it was a good thing mm-hmm. um and it really it comes down to what you expect if you assume a certain thing then yes other if you assume that uh education should cost money well yeah. then yeah maybe you feel like you don't want to pay for somebody else's college right but it's i think that's a bad assumption because i think it would be the same way healthcare is is great the same way um not having a bunch of people starving to death yeah i think education is the same thing and to me i think the the argument of i i'm want to pay to put my niece through college not to pay to put somebody else through college uh if you're paying a little bit more money your niece and also everybody else are all going to college yes. um and we're not we're not asking uh and we're not actually asking for anything but i think the people who are asking for free education are uh likely asking for it in a way that's much more complex using you know tax brackets and right. uh ideally uh jeff bezos is gonna put your niece through college 
Yeah, that's true. Um, eh? If if we're just talking about uh, that, I think you know marginal tax brackets and just asking for more of the people who definitely have way more money than they need to live a reasonable and good standard okay. of living. Okay, speaking of just Be- Bezos, I mean, I'm not even going to get into the whole Inquirer and and Pecker and uh, oh that's his God. name. That was actually his name. Um, I wanted to. I, I saw this perfect uh, description that billionaires are like human dragons. Billions of dollars is way more than you'll ever need in your lifetime. They're basically hoarding gold. Yeah, they are. Jeff Bezos is a really soft dragon. Hmm. That's that's good. Yeah. No. So um, the, and I thought it was funnier than that he's like a little soft pink <laughs> dragon. He's like a, no no scales. You know, no. I, I guess it got you in a way that it just didn't get me. Okay. But yeah. No. So I I think the the thing about that is that you know in kind of the situation that I think. I am. I would be supporting for totally free post secondary. You would be paying a little more taxes. That's right. You know, uh, good things cost money. Uh, in an ideal world, the you would be paying less taxes because that would just be um, defense budget restructuring. And but, you wouldn't have to. It, there wouldn't be means testing. Like part of the cost of a lot of these things has to do with the administrative cost. And you see it in healthcare, where the U.S. is paying way more per capita yeah. for the limited healthcare that they've got. Because insurance costs are so high, because there's so many different insurance companies, so much administrative costs, and we pay less in Canada for better outcomes. Yeah. Um, so if you actually stopped trying to stop spending the money gatekeeping and just spent the money on actual education, yeah, I think the cost is a lot less than you'd expect. Yeah. So so in an ideal situation, you know, you pay a little bit more in taxes because you're right, money doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, some the the people who are making an insane amount of money and I, you know I, it's possible that you are a millionaire uh drake pendergan and in which case i would actually be uh asking to take more money from you but it, that's if he's a millionaire that's not it it's only if he's making like 10 million a year that's true that's not like no you know what i mean there's a difference between a millionaire who's saved up enough and they're sitting on a million dollars yeah and somebody's making 10 million in a year 10 million and a dollar in a year we're taking 70 cents of that last dollar yeah or we're not but i'm saying the idea is but sorry um and you know your your niece would be going to college and all of your niece's friends and uh you know her her classmates would be a more diverse group of people and they'd be able to be otherwise it's just the option and yeah it's the opportunity and I, I think all of that sounds like, you know, and obviously this might come across as a little idealistic, but that's that's the world that I am kind of hoping for when I look at free healthcare. I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a lot from anybody who can't afford it. Right. And I think maybe part of the, the argument is always, well, of course you're going to want it because you are uh, of the age to take advantage of it, right? That's true. Um, but I mean, the flip side is healthcare. I've been a relatively healthy guy except for my finger right now. And... I have very little need for healthcare. I'm paying a crap ton in taxes, and I'm okay with that. I I think it's a it's good that we do not leave people to be sick and dying with no with the prospect of either dying or going bankrupt. Yeah, and I mean at the end of the day, free university would just mean more co- competition for me. I mean, it it would be one thing to not uh, pay for it, but I think in the long term, also having a huge, like a much larger population would make it harder for me to do whatever it is I wanted to do. But I still support it because I think honestly that if it's, if it's good competition, it's only because the people that you'd be allowed to let in are going to do really, a really good job if you just give them the chance and not everybody, but there's going to be enough of them that, you know, we're going to get the best people in the best positions. You talked about that earlier with the, um, 
you know, mandatory, uh, like, woman in uh, certain positions of power. But yeah. I think if you really want to get the best people in the best positions, you've got to give everybody a chance to show you what they can do. Right. That's a great place to end it, I think. So there we go. Yeah. So the hard part now will be putting up the right video to fit the, the <laughs> length that we've extended this to. Yeah. So... To end off, uh, we've got a Patreon, so if you want to uh, support us a little bit so that we can talk a lot more about left-wing politics and then uh, <laughs> occasionally occasionally, when we feel about it, injustice. Yeah, when the mood strikes us. I think it has more to do with questions. I mean, these were actually direct responses to, to comments from people. That's true, but we talked a lot longer about the questions about politics than we did about injustice. Well, because I... Th is it that... There's it, more to say. There's more to say, and I think because a lot of the people who are coming to us for injustice were... were there's certain things we don't need to explain. That's true. Damage over time, we didn't have to explain. So anyways, uh, if, if you want to support uh, the left-wing propaganda machine, you can go ahead and go to patreon.com slash bdc. The Canadian left-wing propaganda. So when you know That's it's true. Canadian, it's even way left. Um, and we are going to uh, be funneling all of that money into uh, socialism. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the heck? That's not true. That's um, not true. That's not true at all. We're spending it uh, personally. Um, but... <laughs> Anyways, we'd like to give a huge thank you to uh, the, the, the comrades who have already taken up the good fight uh, and who are, have already chosen to support us. We've got Console Peasant, Eddie G, and Edwin Felix, who are supporting us at the highest last word tier. iProfit, who is supporting us at the Your Message tier tier. And there's a message that we will read right at the end because I need to access the segment titles he told me to be ready this week. And I am, but I'm going to need just a moment. Um, and then we also have Sean Farrell and Daniel Simonson, who support us on the credited level. Okay, I have a picture here. Segment titles. Sorry. One second. I'm trying. Um, okay, this is iProfit's segment. This is going to be the garage of gags. Um, he's, he <laughs> Gags is kind of an ambiguous word. Oh, don't go there. Uh, so... <laughs> I, I feel like it was funnier when it when it felt effortless. Oh, <laughs> now that I've just... got to go kind of searching for it. But uh, there we go, iProfit. I told you I would, I would come back with as many segments until I ran out of ideas, and there it is. So this is his message to uh, you, the viewers. Uh, how did Johnny Blaze complete his memoirs? Oh, we're going there. We're going Marvel. How did Johnny Blaze complete his memoirs? He used a ghostwriter. <laughs> well, you know what's... Uh funny uh ghost rider came out uh, ghost rider sorry they, they did a reboot around the same time i think as uh punisher war journal i just mentioned that i don't know why it occurred to me because around that same time that the there was uh, a crossover i think mm. with uh punisher and jim lee did a guest uh book or a guest issue on that and i actually met jim lee at dragon lady comic books which no longer exists on queen street down in toronto and he, it, what's ridiculous is, this is another one of those George R. R. Martin stories. There was nobody there. It was an evening. I had classes. At uh, I, It was in between classes. I had to wait for a, a test that I, I had to write. I love that there's a category of stories that only you specifically tell that you've titled George R. R. Martin It's stories. basically that, right? Where people who are hugely famous now, and you have to line up forever yeah. to see them, they were not that famous. And, you know, if you... If you're just enthusiastic and a fan, you have such opportunities to meet people that eventually go on to oh. become, you know, big names. Our videos have gotten weird. We've we've managed to ramble after the Patreon thanking. We, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> should we thank them again? Um, 
Yeah, why not? Yeah. I'll, let me think of this. You've, so big you've th- stuck with us. Yeah, big thank you to Console Peasant, Eddie G, and Edwin Felix, iProfit, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Lazlo Giardas, and Chris Wolf. Yeah, you guys are really sticking through us through thick and thin. I don't know if this is what you wanted, but this is what you're paying for. So I, I, hope, it, I hope it was worth it. And thank you also to all the viewers and listeners who uh, make this possible. Oh, please let us know if you've gotten to this point. I feel like this this video, I, I can't tell. Maybe I just don't think enough of ourselves, but it feels like a little bit of a test of endurance <laughs> to the point that we've gotten to. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all so much for watching, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.